0: We are actually going to start this morning, come on up Luke, uh, with Luke Runyon, who is our ambassador to the world, basically. So Luke is back in town for a short time and wants to give us a a brief update. Luke has been a missionary for us for 20 plus years and he's got a lot of great stories, but today he's going to share briefly about his next steps and then hopefully in the next month or so we're going to have him share some more and get into some more details uh, but he's going to share, share with us this morning and show us a video that kind of highlights uh, what he's going to be doing next. So, Luke, come on. Up.
1: Thank you, Hillside. Um, I've been honored to be a part of Hillside since 1997 and sent out as a missionary since 2000. In December, I just came back from my last two years, which was in Uganda with an organization called Restoration Gateway. And I'm excited to share with you about the next phase of what I'm gonna do. It's gonna be with an organization called World Embrace and I wanna share a little video about them.
2: This is my daughter Ruby. She's four. Ruby knows what's important in life. Big hugs, laughing, trying new things, and running so fast you feel like you're flying. Through her eyes, life is carefree. Life is an open door. We all want the best for our children. We want them to discover their talents, their passions, and dream of a bright tomorrow. We give them opportunities because children are our legacy, our responsibility, and our future. Where we live, in Gula, Uganda, many children are forced to grow up quickly taking on responsibilities that are far beyond their years. For 20 years, there was war, and children were forced to fight. Thankfully, there was now peace, and Gulu has been rebuilt. But even though there are 150,000 children in our district, there was not one public playground for children to learn and play.
3: We removed the AK-47s from our children, but we left them empty-handed. They may have the scars of war but they must have a space to dream the dreams of a peaceful nation.
4: After years of working together with the local church, they asked us if we would join together to create a place for our children. We have recently bought land in Gulu and have started construction on a 20-acre community center sports park and playground. This artistic rendering features phase one, the children's park.
3: This initiative by World Embrace is going to allow children of all ages to play again in Gulu. This is the best gift to our future because the children are our future.
4: This project will be self-sustainable and staffed by local church members. We will welcome thousands, families, youth, and children will make memories together, laugh, dream and explore new opportunities. Children will hear the gospel and be discipled through sports leagues, drama, dance, and music. Together, we can impact a generation and transform a city.
3: We, the leaders, and the community of GOLO support this project wholeheartedly.
1: Hopefully you can catch a glimpse of this big project with um, that's going to have great impact. World Embrace has many people that are focusing on the construction and the fundraising, but they have asked me to come in and take over the programming side of things. I'll be involved in all of the youth programs. I'm going to strategize and um, how to train up and implement this park. And so it's a it's a big responsibility, but God has been training me over these last 20 years with a lot of. Um, experience and know-how to come in and impact the children of this area. So yeah, it it aims to give a safe and encouraging place to grow and play, but the real aim is to share the gospel and discipleship. We'll do this by training up local leaders, the youth group leaders, the sports uh, leaders in the area, and I'll be in charge of supervising them and showing them how we're going to run the park, but how we will use it as a ministry. And World Embrace really uh, values unity among the churches, and so it's not a church itself, but wants to involve all the churches in the area to come together and impact the youth. So it's a tight timeline, but June 10th is when I'm aiming to, to head back to Uganda. And so I'm trying to share with everybody what the next steps are, and try to raise up a team of people who can pray and lift up the ministry, as well as support it financially. World Embrace has committed to cover my uh, food and accommodation, uh, but I still need to raise some money for the rest of my cost, which is about $1,050 per month and startup cost of $6,500 of one-time gifts. So we set up a webpage, Hillside is supporting me, And and the money is running through them, so you can look on um, the the missions page. Uh, You can also look on Hillside Happenings and the Bible app. So I'd love it if you'd uh, look at it, see some more videos, have a chance to uh, sign up for more information. Uh, I'll be over in the cafe at the end for anybody who wants to talk more. Uh, But I'm so thankful for Hillside and everything uh, that you guys mean to me.
5: I want you to stay up here for a second. I want to pray for Luke in just a minute, but I wanted to highlight, so this is something we've been journeying with Luke for for years. I mean, he's been a part of Hillside before I ever came. Um, But it's been awesome to get to know Luke, and and I want you to realize just who he is. He's been, over the last, you know, 20 years, as he's been serving um, all over Africa, Uh, he's had different parts where he's been raising support, or he's also been... Uh, in a salaried position. So after uh, 10 years of being in a a different salaried position, this is the first time that he's uh, raising support again. Very different than, you know, he's just going for six months or going for a quick trip. But this is, he is a career missionary. His outlook is to be, in the next 20 years, he's going to be serving in Africa. That's pretty cool since I've known him, I haven't heard him complain once. He's the guy that actually enjoys, like, South Sudan, not, you know, not the hotels and resorts that you'd think. But, you know, he's he's okay living in tents. He's okay with bugs and things. Like, he he's, he actually refuses to, sh- I mean, he doesn't share some stuff with us just in hopes that we won't worry for him, you know? Because he is, he's really, in some of those tough places. This place is, is not quite like that. But again, he's got the opportunity not only to make a difference for this next year commitment, but he's pioneering this thing. So 150,000 kids and their families now that are gonna be rifling through this uh, this playground, that's amazing. But he's not only just setting the stage here, building the, the building bricks, the, the, setting, the, setting the foundation for you know, the next wave of kids, you know, after that. So this is, the potential is huge. Um, the, the thing with the timeline for him, so he's got two months to, to raise funds and go. We don't see him here very often. COVID has kind of messed things up. One, if your life group has availability to, to bring him in so he's able to share and talk, seize the moment, call him. If you are able to, to commit and partner with him in one way or another, whether it's, you know, prayer or one time or, or, um, or a monthly gift, let him know. Even if you're thinking about it, yeah, if you go to the, to the Bible app and you'll see a link there, we can see more information, a lot of videos of what he's about. Click that. There's a, a form to sign up and just say, hey, I'm interested in connecting with you or I'm interested in this capacity. Um, that would encourage him greatly because his timeline is short. Um, so, and, and again, we haven't—you know—we just get little bits and snippets when he's when he's back. So, um, that's my endorsement. He's a worthy man to invest in, and I would just, I'm just—I'm grateful as you know as we've been praying together as a as a leadership just to, to be a part of this again. So, pray with me. God, thanks so much for, for Luke. God, thank you for just the years of committed uh, service that he's given um, just to, to so many folks in Africa and just how he continually um, just lays himself down for the things that you've got before him. And so God, we pray that in this next season of fundraising, uh, that things, you'd just be blessed uh, beyond measure in that, that it wouldn't be a stress. God, that's a, it's a whole nother deal raising funds. Um, God, there's, yeah, not a place for for side jobs or side hustles in in Uganda like we could have here. So it just takes such a, uh, it's a, a a different level of raising finances. And so, God, we pray for peace and joy in the midst of that. God, I pray that you just, yeah, pour your grace upon them. God, thank you for letting us be a part of this together. In Jesus' name. And
0: then just uh, one quick announcement. I want to talk about uh, Easter, which, believe it or not, is next week. So next Sunday, Easter Sunday. We're going to have our normal service at 10 o'clock, but it's going to be limited still just due to the the pandemic. So we've got 75 people uh, on the sign-up. So if you're planning on coming to the Easter service, be sure to sign up. And if for some reason you get to it and it's already full, um, we are also going to do a sunrise service. We don't typically do a sunrise service here at Hillside. Uh, But looking at the weather for next Sunday, it actually looks like it could be a pretty nice morning. So we will meet back here in the lower parking lot at 7 o'clock in the morning, 7 a.m., for an Easter service. It'll be a relatively short service, probably about 30 minutes or so, time of worship and a short message. But it'll just be a good time to uh, gather together outside, which may feel a lot safer for some of you. Um, So, we've got those two options for next Sunday, so uh, please join us for that, and we will still be broadcasting or live streaming the uh, services online at 10 o'clock as well. So, let's pray for our time together and then move into a time of worship. Father God, we do just uh, thank you for this day and what it represents as we anticipate um, Good Friday and Easter Sunday as we just think about the uh, impact of what Christ did on our behalf. We just want to be mindful of that this week. Lord, draw us into your presence this morning. Draw us into your word. Um, Teach us, and just, Holy Spirit, just please drive us together. Uh, Bring us together as a community around your word and around the worship of our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.
6: Why don't we stand this morning and look to our lighthouse. Sleaning in my dark Through the storm I'll sing that chorus one more time Let's trust in the promise here. My lighthouse My lighthouse My lighthouse Shining in the darkness I will follow you oh my lighthouse My lighthouse I will trust the promise You will carry me safe to shore
3: When the weight of life begins to fall On the name of Jesus I will call For I know my God is in control And his purpose is unshakable Doesn't matter what I feel Doesn't matter what I see My hope will always be Your promises to me Now I'm casting out all fear For your love has set me free My hope will always be Your promises to me As I walk into the days to come, I will not forget what you have done, and you have supplied my every need. And your presence is
6: enough for me. It doesn't matter what I feel. No matter what I see, my hope will always be your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, for your love has set me free. My hope will always be your promises to me.
3: you will always be more than enough for me nothing's gonna stop the plants you've made nothing's gonna take your love away you will always be more than enough for me you will always be more than enough for me you will always be more than enough for me you Nothing's
6: gonna stop the plans you've made, nothing's gonna take your love away. It will always be more than enough for me. You will always be more than enough for me. It doesn't matter what I feel, it doesn't matter what I see, my hope will always be your promises. See
3: doesn't matter what I see, my hope will always be in your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, for your love has set me free. My hope will always be in your promises to me.
6: me just sing this together Uh, just the chorus here we're gonna sing Hosanna that together and we welcome you in our presence today. We say, blessed be your name, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus, we honor you today. God, we thank you for your promises. God, we thank you for your perfect love that casts out fear. God, and we believe your promises. And Jesus, we believe you are the answer. In the middle of the storm, you are the answer. So we look to you you have your way today in this place spirit move freely in us and through us let your light shine let your truth be known help us to truly cling to you and choose you today in jesus name we pray amen you can be seated
4: They gave me back the mobile mic so it could get dangerous. It means I can walk out in the crowd and talk to people. Katie said, don't knock over the water. Thank you. Welcome here. It's great to see everybody. Uh, I'm excited to be able to bring this message today and be able to keep us on course with just figuring out what it looks like to be committed followers of Jesus and share the gospel. Uh, to me, this week has has been a crazy one I'm gonna get into that a little bit and but before I just I just need to pray to kind of gather myself I've already cried twice so uh, just an emotional week so pray with me father I thank you for who you are you are our God we're here to learn to worship and explore what it looks like to be your followers and for those that don't know you as Lord and Savior Holy Spirit I pray that you would open up hearts that you would reveal truth to us in a way that only you can, that you would shed light in the midst of the darkness and show us what it looks like to move closer to you in our lives. Amen. So for me, uh, Boulder this week was real. Um, Responding with chaplains, uh, we had about five agencies and 15 chaplains from Boulder, Louisville, Lafayette, I had five of my Golden Cops go. So I was in the middle of it, entrenched in it, and heard a lot of conversations this week, and really for me, it just became clear again that we live in a post-Genesis 3 world. We are fallen, there is sin, and it is ugly. And for those that aren't following Jesus, uh, there's a lot of selfishness, evil, and sinfulness that goes on in and around us. It's, It's not surprising to me, But it always takes me off guard. It always takes me off guard when I have to recognize and realize that there are awful consequences to our day-to-day life that is destructive. And Jesus is the only solution. It's the only way to make sense and move into healing in the ways that we need to. I found myself this week in a gob of conversations surrounding the events of March 22nd. And a theme started to emerge for me. And it was just people saying over and over and over again something's got to change. We have to do something different. And I say yes to that. However, if it's left there, the object of change will surely only remain worldly and in the end completely ineffective. You guys remember the story of Cain and Abel? Way, way back. It is the first recorded murder in Scripture. There were no firearms, no were no weapons, but there was evil. And Cain came against Abel and killed him out of an angerous rage because Abel was able to do something that Cain in that moment wasn't. See, Abel offered a sacrifice up to the Lord that was acceptable and pleasing, and Cain did not. And you can see in Genesis 4-7, this is what I think we deal with today. Sin is lurking at the door. It desires to have you but you must master it. We are each the cane of our own conscious morality and the responsibility of our deeds rests with us. We are, are, as kind of the story unfolds, the spiritual descendants of both brothers, caught up, as it says in Genesis 4.16, in life's moral, pragmatic dwelling somewhere in the midst of this world just east of Eden. Cain and Abel started this conflict. They they had blood shed into the ground, and we today, on Monday morning, had to deal with the same things. This is humanity in a post-generation where we don't have Jesus being the lead in everything that we do. But today, we get to celebrate. We celebrate the triumphal entry of our Lord, of our King, into his capital city, Jerusalem. He was met with cheers and celebration. He rode in on a young donkey with the disciples coats blanketing this never ridden before animal. He came to finish his work and he came to bring change. The same kind of change that people are seeking today, one that solves the problem, the core of our outrage, the foundation of our pain, the only means towards reconciliation and ultimate peace. And the world needs to know. Your neighbors need to know. Your family, your co-workers, and your friends need to know the change that Jesus has brought. See, God's story is relevant today on every level. Everything that we're experiencing, whether it be things in our home, with our animals, with our pets, with sicknesses, with disappointments, with 10 people being murdered. God's story is relevant on all of those levels. So for us, evangelism becomes the proclamation. Someone's gotta say something. We've got to verbalize the gospel message throughout the world. Evangelism is our announcement, telling others the plan of salvation and about the kingdom of God, the announcement of a divine reign and an invitation to participate in the community of God. That's the change. We are announcing that God, through Jesus Christ, has intervened in history to affect our salvation. Evangelism is the very presence of God's people being us, standing as a sign that God has acted, is acting, and will continue to act. Evangelism is is speaking and living the gospel message in everything that we do. See the change that people are seeking is the good news. We look around and we try to make sense of things and we we assign worldly attributes to try to change things. We know since the time of Cain and Abel that the only change that is going to last is that that comes from Jesus Christ. It is an eternal change that changes hearts and in changing hearts we change our values. When you change values, you change behavior. And when you change behavior, you affect attitudes. You can't change behavior just by telling people no. And so as we explore what the gospel message is, we have to unravel this understanding of the stories that are before us. So again, this is shown last week, but this is three-story evangelism that I was part of creating a number of years ago with Youth for Christ. So I'm pulling this out from, I had to dust it off a little bit. this is a style of evangelism, a method of evangelism that I believe is really relevant as we move. It allows us to take our individual stories, combine them to God's story, so that we can tell others about our story. So in this, there's three main stories: God's story, and that's where we're going to focus today. You've got to understand who God is and why His story is relevant. My story meaning my rescue story. How, how did I become saved? What, what does my salvation look like? Who, who was I before Jesus, and who am I after Jesus? And then their story. And as I said last week, this isn't an us-them thing, because as we remember, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all have the same starting point. But when we say their story, we're talking about those that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So those are the people, the lost people, that if... Jesus were to come today, they're going to find themselves not going to heaven. Us and there becomes really important as we start to approach sharing the gospel. And right in the middle, the heart of evangelism, the example that we've learned from Jesus and his his followers, it's the confluence of all of the stories into one place, a place where these streams run together and establish a connection point a doorway into people's hearts. And so today what we'll do is we'll start with probably a 3-week message on God's story, exploring what significance is around of knowing the story of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and really understanding how this story is the only story that has transformational power and salvation ability. But the first aspect of this becomes we've got to move towards God. I think in evangelism, we always have this outward approach where we always look at ourselves and how we're doing and whether or not we know enough or are effective enough to even step into the evangelism world. Well, the first step in true evangelism is to make sure that we step towards our Lord. So John 15 gives this great picture of this. He's talking to his disciples and he's telling them as a group, I want you to abide with me. I want you to remain with me. So to abide means accept or act in accordance with a rule, a decision, or a recommendation. So when we abide with Jesus, we remain with his rules, his decisions, his recommendations on how the creator of the world has said, hey, if you want to do things, do it this way. Kind of like parents in the house. We generally know how we want things to run. I know how I want things picked up. My kids sometimes don't always adhere. They don't abide in that. And the same is true with God. I I think sometimes we just get wandered off. Like me, it's like squirrel, you know, and we start moving off. The same is true with the gospel. We've got to make sure that we abide and we remain, which means to continue to possess a specific quality or fulfill a particular role. So to remain with Jesus means that we're going to continue to possess his qualities. That's the only way that we can truly possess his qualities is remain with him, to be where he is. See, our evangelistic journey must keep in step with Jesus, acting in accordance with his rules, his desires, his expectations, the way that he's really orchestrated everything in and around us. But as I said, I think we tend to wander. I think we tend to lose a little bit of our perspective and we begin to act on our own accord which brings us into some obstacles. We, we find ourselves in the wandering off, leaving the, the Lord and his kind of prospect of how things could look with our own. These are things that I've found myself coming up against as obstacles. Too much of the story is focused on me. So yes, I'm part of the story, I'm a deliverer, I'm an ambassador, but God's story is the story that brings reconciliation, not mine. My story can be important as a connector, but we've got to continue to make sure that we focus on God's story. Secondly, too much of the focus is on other people's sin, right? How easy it is to look around and be like, this is where their sin is. And we do it globally. We do it with our friends. We do it even with our acquaintances. We like to point out what other people are doing wrong. Well, how good has that worked over time? Not great. I mean, I think we all kind of know what we're doing wrong. But that is not the focus of evangelism. A lot of people think it is. A lot of people like to use that as a core. Like, let's just show everybody what's going wrong. But without the story of God, that becomes irrelevant, right? It doesn't make sense to them. They don't even know why it's wrong. We judge, but yet have no authority to condemn. We like to point out the wrongs. I think in our society right now, if you've ever heard of Facebook or been on it, it's kind of like what we like to do. Like, let's point out the wrongs of that group of people, or that group of people, or these moral decisions, and we think for some reason that that's an effective form of evangelism. It's not. It's easy to become frustrated and captivated with the darkness. Take Boulder. How easy is it to just focus on the darkness of what occurred? Pretty easy, because there's a lot of darkness that occurred. But that's not the focus. We can't get so immersed in the junk and the evil that that becomes what we focus on we can't become too distracted with the world's agenda because the world's agenda is not in line with what god's agenda is so we've got to be really mindful about making sure that these obstacles are taken out of the way and we truly come into a place where we're communing and getting to know our god george barna author, researcher, says this. Nonbelievers often respond to people, gifted or not, who are accessible to God, used by God and blessed by God through the working of his Holy Spirit. The most powerful attraction to a nonbeliever is seeing the life of someone transformed by the reality of the gospel. So, highlighting that, the most attractive thing, someone's life who has been transformed by the reality of the of the Gospel. See, if we're not reflecting the glory of God, it will be difficult to share about the transforming work of Jesus. So if we're off doing stuff that doesn't reflect God, it's probably because we're not real close to Him, because if we were close to Him, we probably wouldn't be doing some of the things that we we do sometimes. What I'm not saying is that this life is free of struggle. Um, Pastor, church, I do this for my, for my living, this is my gig. I struggle. I sin. I make mistakes. So I'm not saying that you've got to be perfect. But what I am saying is you've got to be authentic. You've got to battle in this world in such a way that this transformation becomes so deeply rooted in who you are that people around you are going to see the profound and ongoing relationship with your Lord. Two sayings, I'm sure you guys have heard these. You're the average of the five people you spend your time with. Motivational speaker John Rowan said that. And another one that you're probably familiar with. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So I was laughing at Micah this morning, just to pick on you. Um, So Micah lives with Sam and Michael Connell now. And I was looking at his boots and they all three have the same boots now. You know, they're sweet boots. They look good. But I looked down and I was like, are those Sam's boots? No, they're Micah's because they're together. You start to kind of look the same way. I mean, I, I look at some of the clothes I get, it's because I look at people and I'm like, man, look, I'm, gonna, I think I'm gonna buy a shirt like that, right? And so you start to formulate some kind of values and decision-making based upon the people that you were around. Well, the same is true with God. So if you are around God and you're so immersed in his stuff, you're gonna start dressing like him. You might buy his boots. You might feel and look and talk. In the way that the Lord does. But I'm afraid sometimes we don't have such good recall of the things of God. So I'm going to give you a quick quiz. You ready? It's like like a pass-fail thing, so it's not a real big deal. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a jingle, and you're going to complete the jingle for me. So everybody's got to participate if you know it. So, takes a licking and... It might be a little generational, but good job. You're the next contestant on Wheel of. This is a tough one. Like sands through the hourglass, so are. That's pathetic. Like a good neighbor. (laughs) Give me, break me off a piece of that. Right, so I can keep going. So I'm, I'm saying this because we. So much right now are easily rattling off the things of this world, the jingles that we see. Now I want you to finish this: "Love the Lord your God with all." Not bad. That was to be a fan. As for me and my house, Amen. Now I want you to give me one or two verses on the supremacy of God. Give me a verse about Jesus being the son of God. I'm just kidding. You don't have to. But that's what we need to be able to bring up in an instant. The jingles are great. You know, I get it because we hear it a thousand times. But I want the jingles of the Lord. The words that he speaks. The the things that should rattle off of our brain in an instant. Jason just told me before church. I'm sorry, but I got to share this story. So writing with a friend yesterday just starts asking about the Lord. So I was like, did you answer him? <laughs> Started asking what? Next day, the kid actually becomes a follower of Jesus because Jason chose to answer the questions. Do you think Jason knows everything there is to know about God? Elena's like, no.
0: <laughs> it's a negatory,
4: right? Jason knew enough. Jason knew God's story because I know Jason is trying his best to be immersed in the story of God a daily study, an exploration of who he is. See, the foundation of evangelism is found in God's story. But do we know enough? It's a great question. I would suspect that most of you actually do. If you've given your life to the Lord, repented of your sins, trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believe with your heart and profess with your mouth, I think you got it. I think you got this. I heard after last week, I had actually a lot of folks come to me with just concerns. Like, I'm not sure. This is kind of scary. Are you going to make me share my faith? Do I know enough? Yes and yes. I believe that you do. Because everyone in this room, wherever they're at, I guarantee you Jason's friend didn't come talking to me. He came talking to Jason. Why? They do life together. They do gymnastics together. They are in the same place, dealing with the same things. So for you, God is going to bring the right people to you. And when that happens, I want you to be able to introduce God to your, to your friends. So I used this a little bit last week. So the way that you can know, if you were going to introduce a friend to your friends, is how I want you to see this. It's like, my friend Jesus, I want to introduce to you. And if they were to ask me, well, tell me some stuff about him, and I was like, Oh, uh. They'd be like, Well, well, where is he from? uh oh. Why is he your friend? Uh, I don't know. At some point, these folks are going to be like, I don't think he's your friend. Like, you think he's your friend. And so this is a pretty easy thing to walk through. Like, think about this. What is your friend's name? Jesus. Where is he from? Heaven. He was from nothing. What do you know about each other? How did you meet Jesus? Well, let me tell you exactly how I met Jesus what common characteristics do you have with Jesus what are some of Jesus' hobbies what are some of his interests what are some of his concerns Like, what do we know that he does do we know the things that Jesus likes do we know what his favorite things are his dislikes and his hates I know my wife hates tomatoes did you know that hates them Don't bring them around her, she might throw them at you. Dislike and hate. So with Jesus, he also has some things that he dislikes and he hates. If you were to bring those things around him, he might throw them back at you too. Like he hates pridefulness, loves humility. We understand so much that makes him happy, and makes him sad. I can tell you stories right now about the way that Jesus has been involved in my life And I guarantee you, you can too. The changes that have become of your life because Jesus is truly your friend. So the questionnaire, do you know enough? I think you probably do. Answer these in a way that you're able to walk around and introduce your friend, just like you do at a party to the people that are around you. And in that, we're gonna focus on some high points too. I do think there's some stuff that you need to understand beyond just the introduction. To this week, we're going to talk about the two high points. One is Jesus did show up. We're going to answer why is that important. And Jesus died. And why is that important? And then over the next couple of weeks, fortunately, uh, Easter's next week. So the Jesus rose part fits right in. I don't know how we plan that stuff. Um, But we're going to continue on in this journey of just... Unpacking, why is it important to know that Jesus showed up? I know this is small and I apologize, but this is kind of the, the gist of just, it paints the picture of the fact that Jesus did show up. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So we know that in the beginning, the word There was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him everything has been made. Without him, nothing has been made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we know why this is important. It is this. Jesus showed up because those who believe in his name... He gives the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent, or human decision, or a husband or wife's will, but born of God. So Jesus comes, and why is that important? To give us the option to believe, so that in belief we can be born and become children of God. Jesus showed up, as it says in John three sixteen and 17, because God loved the world. And in his love, he chose to give his one and only son that whoever will believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send Jesus, his son, into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus showed up for two reasons. One, because God loves you. God loves who you are in a different kind of love and a love that says, I want to bring salvation But God says, I love the world, and because of that, I'm going to send my son. Why is that important? Because it's the only way towards salvation, period. So when we deal with all the stuff around us, we've got to recognize that there is only one path. Jesus is that path. And in order to save people, it would be good for us to understand the process and the means of why that looks that way. Jesus died. So every one of the Gospels has an illustration or a story of Jesus' death. John 19, Mark 15, Matthew 27, Luke 23. As we look at the facts of this, I just put these up there because it's just the illustration of, yes, truthfully, Jesus did die. And he died for a very specific reason. He died because he was the only means of atonement and reconciliation. So when we look, we know that Jesus died, but it's important to be able to connect the why. We can't just tell people that Jesus died and leave it at that. The reason that he died, the why behind it becomes so important to God's story. See, atonement and reconciliation mean this. To atone means to make amends. And this is God's main theme throughout all of Scripture. If you read all the stories, it's all pointing toward this point of reconciliation between a sinful human race, and a holy God. And this is the reason Christ had to die. He was the only means to accomplish the necessary sacrifice. The why is captured in the truth that Jesus' death was the only way to provide salvation for you. And I know we all know that, right? Maybe we know parts of it, we kind of have a glimpse of it, but most Americans know that Jesus came and he died. We even celebrate Easter as a nation. But do people really understand the why behind it? And that's the story that I want you to start sharing with the people that are around you. Know that Easter's important, but be able to take it one step further and explain the why. It's the only way that Jesus could resolve the problem of sin. It was the only cure that was available to deal with our junk. We have to live with this truth. We have to know it and feel it and allow it to instruct all of our decisions. God's story should be an ongoing area of intrigue in all of your lives. Don't get frustrated. Don't be ashamed if you don't know all the stuff. This is the reason we do this. This is why we come here. I don't want people to walk away and feel overwhelmed with I don't know everything, because guess what, I don't either. I don't, every day for me is an exploration it's an understanding of some new nugget of what my God brings. Approach it that way. Be excited about the little nuggets that God's going to bring along. But also be engaged in God's story. So again, next week, we're going to pop into this stuff. Um, why did Jesus have to be raised from the dead? Why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit? And Why is Jesus coming back? And how relevant all of those are to God's story. So I'm going to give you a couple of applications, just two main ones. One, it's going to be found, uh, you can find it on the Bible app. This is just kind of like, I I heard a lot of fears this week of like, we're talking evangelism, I'm going to have to share stuff. Well, maybe, but be prepared. And this is a great process to be able to start walking through and addressing your fears. So seven cures for the fear of evangelism, find on alwaysbeready.com a website that I've not gone totally through yet, but I've looked at bits and pieces. It's like literally got probably 500 links and maybe 100 links and all of the links, but it looks like a pretty solid source. And I did read through this, and I think this would be a good thing for you to jump into this week and start asking the question of what does it really look like for me to overcome these fears? And then the last application is found in Romans 15. And and this is part of where I think we have to immerse ourselves in God's story. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the illustration here is it's pretty simple. It, it says that I want you to live a life that truly overflows. And this for me is a half full glass of water. And I tend to go through life with this being who God is to me. I fill it up a little bit, but I end up going out, especially on a week like this week, man, I've poured this cup out over and over again. And it begins to get to the point where I just don't have a lot left. And in this application, this is how I want you to see your life. I want you to plug into God in such a way that the water is literally overflowing out of this. That the people around you, because you are so immersed in who God is, that they're going to get wet. They're going to experience the overflowing of who God is by the power of his Holy Spirit. This is the application. This is what it looks like to truly immerse yourself in God. Don't get to the point where you get to the bottom. And someone says, hey, Kevin, can you share with me a little bit about God's story? And that's all I got left. That's not overflowing. But I feel like sometimes this is how I approach my relationship with God and how I approach evangelism. I'm dry. I'm not with him. I can't tell you one thing about his story because everything else is an obstacle for me. So as we move as a church, I want you to see it this way. Do everything you can to overflow. Fill yourself with who He is. Read His Word. Pray. Go on walks with God. Have conversation with Him. And overflow so that the people God brings around you are going to get sloppy wet because of who you are and the story you share. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank You that we can be part of this. I know that your story and who you are is the only means of salvation. Father, I pray that you would use us, help us to be obedient, watchful, eyes open, seeing what's going on around us. Be alert for people who are asking the question, tell me about the hope you have. But also have the courage to respond, to speak your gospel to the people that are around us people that are truly seeking change, I pray that we would be able to show them what change looks like by becoming committed followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
6: Join the song, lift your voice As heaven and earth give praise Fall to your knees At the feet of the Son of the one true God Turn from old ways Lift your eyes For the kingdom of God is here Open your heart Offer all For Jesus Christ is here found our hope we have found our peace we have found i have found our hope we have found God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us then what could stand against and if our God is for us then who could stand or stop us and if our God is with us then what's... and if our God and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us You're working, even when I don't see it. You're working, you never stop. You never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You, you, workin you never stop. Let's sing out. Even stop when I don't see it. <sollenMom> even when I don't see it, you're working. we proclaim that together in this place. I thank you for this safe place where we can be together with like-minded people. But God, I pray that you would give us boldness to proclaim this outside of these walls in our schools, and in our workplaces, in our homes. God, give us that boldness to proclaim that you are the way, the only way, the only truth, the only life that this lost world needs. Give us boldness, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. God, help us to live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Let's live for Him, proclaim Him.